Presented by Meta. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Rogu Munavolin. It's Friday. Today's show, the state of reconciliation and a veteran's health bill. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. It's day two of the Manchin-Schumer deal that vastly expanded Biden's shrunken legislative ambitions, boosted the morale of Democrats in difficult races, and infuriated congressional Republicans. The White House is ending a week that they had long been dreading because of the string of bad economic data that they correctly anticipated on a surprisingly high note. More on that economic data a little bit later, but the Chips Plus bill passed the House despite a last-minute revolt from Republican leadership, miffed about the Manchin deal and whipping against the bill. Worth noting, 24 House Republicans voted for it anyway. Early indications among Democrats in the House, who you might have heard are sometimes in disarray, are encouraging for the reconciliation bill. Politico's Jordan Carney and Sarah Ferris report that, quote, House Democrats met Joe Manchin's surprise deal with a bigger twist, unity behind it. The initial scrubs of the bill by economists favored the arguments of Democrats who say that the bill will tame inflation. Jim Tangersley and Alan Rappaport from the New York Times had this to say, quote, Many economists agreed that the tax and other provisions would likely help reduce price pressure somewhat, although the overall effect is likely to be modest and potentially will not be felt for months or years. There were no new major obstacles apparent on day two, but the existing ones remain as Democrats try to pass the bill in the Senate next week. Politico's Olivia Olander had this to say, quote, The party needs all 50 members to be in favor of the deal and present to vote, and they must ensure the bill complies with strict parliamentarian rules allowing Democrats to pass it with a simple majority, plus the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Kamala Harris. Senator Kirsten Sinema, another Democrat who party leaders have struggled at times to get on board with legislation, has not taken a public stance on the bill yet. Also worth noting, the caucus hasn't had all 50 members voting since the start of the month. Yet the backstory of how the Manchin-Schumer deal came together does not exactly make either Biden or Chuck Schumer look like Lyndon B. Johnson. It'll pain a lot of Biden stands to admit this fact. Manchin and Larry Summers had more to do with reviving the most progressive environmental and tax legislation in decades than the president did. Meanwhile, the GOP ended the week in a fit of pique. Speaking for many in his party, especially in the Senate, Senator John Kennedy said this about Democrats unveiling the reconciliation bill right after the Senate passed Chips Plus. Quote, we got our ass kicked. It's just that simple. Looks to me we got rinky dude. That's a Louisiana word for screwed. That fury was followed by House Republicans trying to kill Chips Plus, a tactic they admitted was about the mansion flip and Senate Republicans somewhat inexplicably filibustering a bipartisan veterans bill a move they denied had anything to do with Manchin's move. Instead, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who described the Manchin-Schumer deal as, quote, a giant package of, of huge new job-killing tax hikes, Green New Deal craziness that will kill American energy, and prescription drug socialism, swore that the turn on the burn pit bill was about Schumer backing away on a promise to allow a vote on an amendment from Senator Pat Toomey. The Wall Street Journal wasn't buying that, quote, Republican anger blocked a separate piece of legislation. Soon after the announcement of the Manchin deal, the Senate unexpectedly failed to advance a bipartisan bill to provide health care to veterans exposed to burn pits. Former Daily Show host Jon Stewart wasn't buying it either. The longtime advocate for the legislation railed on GOP senators in an epic 10-minute viral diatribe in which he concluded, quote, If this is America first, then America is effed. Schumer said he would put the vets bill up for a vote again on Monday and allowed the Toomey Amendment to be offered. 
As we noted earlier, it was a big week for economic data in the U.S., and there's one more big number dropping later today, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. The number's often used to highlight the state of inflation in the country. Politico's economics reporter, Victoria Guida, is here to talk all about it. Victoria, how's it going? Busy week, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, no, there's uh, fights about recession and the Fed and the labor market. It's been oodles of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so let's start there. Uh, So GDP numbers dropped yesterday, uh, 0.9% drop in the second quarter. That's two quarters of decline in a row. Uh, I saw this getting some Twitter buzz. Is that technically a recession? Uh, What's a recession anyway? (laughs) So this whole conversation has sort of jumped the shark. Um, For for the uninitiated, uh, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth is a definition of a recession. It's It's a classic one. It's the official definition in, for example, the UK. Um, it has never been the official recession, recession definition here, mm. um, but for many, many years, journalists have shorthanded, you know, this is what a recession is. And so now uh, people are talking about how, well, actually, a recession is a little bit more complicated than that. Mm. In the U.S., we look at a lot more factors. Usually you think of a recession as leading to, you know, a lot of job losses or businesses mm. going under. Now the whole thing kind of feels like <laughs> the media is suddenly shifting its its tune, but um, – the, the answer is basically, uh, by one definition of a recession, we are in a recession. However, okay. even that is not that simple hmm. because uh, GDP data releases are notoriously subject to very big revisions because if you think about hmm. all of the inputs that go into it, you're measuring the entire economy, all of economic activity. So over time, you get better data. And so uh, there's a lot of people who think that, for example, the first quarter, which was also negative GDP growth – uh, might be revised p- to positive later. So mm-hmm. um, the answer as to whether we're in a recession is sort of unanswerable. <laughs> we, we may be in one, we may not be, who knows. Great. There was a recent uh, Politico Morning Council poll. Uh, 65% of voters said that they believe the economy is already in a recession. So my question to you then, uh, does it actually matter technically if we're in one, if 65% of people say we're in one? Is that more important than the actual technical definition of whether or not we're in one? Yeah, so to policymakers it matters. Okay. To you to you and me, uh it, it probably doesn't need to because basically the reason why people say we're in a recession uh so emphatically is because we feel like the economy is bad, right? Like mm. inflation is awful, prices are going up, there are a lot of people that, you know, can no longer afford basic necessities. Um and so to them that sounds like a pretty dire situation. The reason why it this is like a a conversation that matters to policymakers is because the job market's still really, really good. Hmm. Um, Unemployment's at 3.6%. Most recently, we were still adding, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs as of last month. So that's still a really rapid pace of job growth. And so the reason why it matters is because a recession is usually when people really start to feel the pain of losing their job. Mm -hmm. And for the Federal Reserve, for example, which is trying to tame inflation, that's sort of a barometer for it because it's trying to definitely trying to slow the economy right now. And Mm -hmm. whether or not we're in a recession will give it an indication as to, you know, how much pain people are feeling and therefore how much spending might come down and therefore how much inflation might come down. Mm -hmm. You mentioned inflation. Um, Inflation numbers are out later today. 
Uh, we had a Joe Manchin approved reconciliation bill titled the Inflation Reduction <laughs> Act. Uh, that kind of naming, I think, tells you how important inflation is right now. It almost feels related to the GDP recession debate where the numbers kind of say one thing, but if people spin it as being a negative thing, does it actually matter what it technically says? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you're running in the midterms, you're going to say the word inflation probably once every seven words anyway. So I'm kind of curious how that comes across, even if numbers improve. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually, so I, I wrote a story uh, at the beginning of this week about how data is always imperfect. It's mm-hmm. always, you know, it's it's often estimates or, or um, incomplete measurements of things. Data releases are often lagged. So we're looking at something, how the world was a month ago or mm-hmm. three months ago. Because of the pandemic, data is actually extra weird right now mm-hmm. because you have all these crazy shocks that are happening. So, you know, economists are used to adjusting for seasonal factors like people buying for Christmas or people hiring for Christmas, things like that. And all of those kinds of adjustments are actually much harder right now because mm-hmm. it's so difficult to separate the signal from the noise. Data is really contradictory right now, which makes it really easy for you as a politician mm-hmm. to make basically any argument that you want about mm-hmm. the economy because there's just so much noise out there. And um, we probably won't know for a while what the economy actually looks like right now. It, you know, we'll only know in hindsight. And that's that's always true, but it's mm-hmm. especially true right now. It's Victoria Guida. She's an economics reporter here at Politico. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Here's what's up in Washington today. The House would meet at 9 a.m. With last votes at 3 p.m., Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy will hold his weekly press conference at 9.30 a.m. Speaker Nancy Pelosi will hold hers at 10.45. The Senate is out today. All right, for more news, what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Playbook's editor is Mike Zappler. Zach Staten is Playbook's deputy editor. The executive producer and head of audio here at Politico is Jenny Ament. I'm Rogu Munavalan. Have a good weekend. We'll see you first thing Monday morning. Some people say the metaverse will only be virtual. But one day in the metaverse, doctors will practice high-risk surgeries hundreds of times before they operate on real patients, and students will be transported to ancient Rome and Saturn's rings, improving health outcomes, learning, and more. The metaverse may be virtual, but the impact will be real. Learn more about what Meta is building for the metaverse at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.